0: Welcome to PaperQuest, I'm Jesse,
1: and I'm James,
0: and we're two friends teaming up in our ongoing quest through the Infinite Library.
1: Each episode, we get together to discuss our latest buddy read, swap stories on our recent solo reads, and talk about the upcoming books we look forward to reading next.
0: This is PaperQuest.
1: So this week, we read our buddy book, and additionally, we read a cozy mystery novel. Typically, we just do the buddy book together and read all the other books solo, so there's a diverse amount of options, um, but given the holidays and the fact that I'd never read one, you and I wanted to do one together. So before we get into that... Did you read anything else the past week?
0: I am. I'm currently reading Extreme Ownership, How Navy U.S. Navy Seals Lead and Win by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin and their military experiences and their experiences as leaders in in a SEAL team together. It is meant to help you one, be a better leader, but also just be more successful in your life. And it gives suggestions on how to be disciplined and just how to apply these military lessons learned into your day-to-day life. So I'm really interested to see what I can pull from it. I'm listening to it on Libby, so it's narrated by them, which is pretty cool. They both have these, like, really deep, gravelly voices. Like, you know, they've been through some things. Um, But that is the only new book that I'm reading right now.
1: How far are you in the book?
0: Not far. Probably, like, maybe 10%.
1: Okay, cool. Um, I am reading... Legion by Brandon Sanderson. I'm not too far yet uh, into the book. It is three novellas put into one book. So um, once I finish that, I'll get more into that. So we read Murder at an Irish Christmas by Carlene O'Connor. It is a cozy mystery. Like I said, I've never read one before. So these never really appeal to me. Uh, When I see them on the shelves at bookstores, there's always... Some sort of funny cat reference or food reference or whatever. Uh, I decided I wanted to try one this year. So you and I read it together. You have read multiple yes. cozy mystery novels. What were your thoughts on this one on its own and compared to other mystery novels that you've read? Cozy mystery novels that you've read.
0: Um, I thought it was really good. I thought it was fun. Basically, this... She calls herself a garda, but this police officer... She's visiting her um, new family, like her brother's marrying into a family, and the patriarch of the family is murdered. And she finds herself kind of drawn into the mystery of who done it. And she realizes that it's got to be someone um, in the family or or in the small town. And it was very cute. It's a quick read. I thought. Who it was was good, you know. It wasn't. It wasn't one of those random passerby's ended up being being the killer. It was someone that you actually got to know throughout the.
1: Yeah, we hate when it's the person that was never really part of the story. You have this whole cast of characters, and then it's like, oh, it was this one guy you met in one page this one time. It's not clever. They think it's clever, and it's not. Um, my first hurdle with the book was all the Irish stuff. The character's name is Siobhan. Written out, it looks like Siobhan, and I'd never seen this name before, and I hadn't seen quite a few of these names before. So every time a new new name came up, I ended up stopping the book, googling the pronunciation, because it just sounded completely wrong in my head. Um, Once I got through all of that, and once I got through memorizing what is actually a pretty massive cast of characters... It goes fast. There is so much drama by the nature of the book. Every single person just has a story. Just just something very dramatic happening in their life. Of course, they don't want you to know who it is, so they throw all this info at you. Everyone's got their own problem. There are so many little clues and pieces, but it all ties together well at the end where once you know who the murderer is, if you look back, it all makes sense. And I love that. It just worked. And about half of the book, as you're getting really deep into the story, I almost didn't stop reading it. There was very few breaks, and I was very much looking forward to the end.
0: So, this being your first cozy, would you read another cozy?
1: Yes, I would. I, I would absolutely <laughs> read another one of these. That, that was a lot of fun. I have nothing to compare it to so i don't know if we happen to just pick like a really good one uh or if they really are just as good as this one (laughs) seems.
0: yeah i think they are very enjoyable and i think that they're good if you're in a reading slump because they're usually light-hearted pretty quick and easy um and like i explained to you i feel like it's the sitcom of book genres and
1: it's,
0: you know, it's it's not too serious. There's things you can laugh at. Um, and there's usually some sort of, you know, it's summed up in one episode type of thing. Um, and so I definitely recommend if someone is in a reading slump to just go find a cozy look for something, like you said, with a cat or a baked good on the front.
1: Yeah, I'm sure this will not be my last one. The, there were very few things that I didn't like about the book and nothing so bad that it would Take anything away from my um, enjoyment. I was a little annoyed, but it was expected that there are the main character is a cop, but of course this isn't, this isn't her district or jurisdiction, um, so she's just kind of there in a in a sort of civilian capacity, as they say. And there are actual cops on the case, but I feel like the cops don't find anything. The main character finds every single clue has to tell the cop everything she comes across. And the worst part was half the clues she found were pure coincidence. She walked by someone mid-conversation and heard a piece or just what happened to be in the right place at the right time. And I was like, if you were there five seconds later or sooner, you never would have known this. So the coincidences were high, but I was like, no, it's still enjoyable. That's the kind of book it is. I had a lot of fun. It was, it was, I, did you guess, by the way? Did you know before they said who the murderer was?
0: I did not until they started piecing it all together at the end. And it was starting to click for me of who it definitely wasn't and who it probably was. Um, so I was, I was kind of surprised. The person was definitely in my, my top few guesses.
1: This person was in my top few guesses. However, she entered my top few, I think, when I was supposed to have figured it out on my own anyways. Or, I she entered my top few when the book kind of starts telling you it's this person anyways. So, I don't know if I'm clever or I just completely missed it. But, I enjoyed it. There was... It was slightly... To keep it a mystery, the solution was slightly complicated. It was like, this like really takes a lot of thinking out to do. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, other than that, I'm sure it won't be our last one. All right, so we'll just jump right into the buddy book this week. We read A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. Quick book summary. Kale is one of the last magicians that can travel between worlds. He comes from Red London, a world filled with magic. But he can also travel to White London, where magic was greedily overused, and Grey London, where no magic exists at all. There was once a Black London, but it's no longer spoken of. Kel is a messenger between the royal families of the multiple Londons, but when he unintentionally comes across a dangerous artifact from Black London, he finds himself wanted and on the run. Fleeing from his world to Grey London, he meets a pickpocket named Lila, who saves Kel and then forces him to let her join his quest. With both of them now on the run, they will need to find a way to clear Kel's name and save all the Londons along the way. What did you think of the book? Initial thoughts.
0: So I listened to this book. I have it physically, too, but um, I thought it was really good because I love a good narrator who puts on voices and um, has the right accent, so it was very atmospheric. So when, you know, obviously when different people were talking, you knew that it was a change of pace or a change of um, character. Was the
1: narrator... Doing all the voices, or did they, like, audio in it?
0: It was one narrator, so okay. it was a man, um, and he did all the different voices. And I just, I really liked the idea of this book. Um, and there's, within the book, the way they explain the four Londons that you mentioned, is that they are like a book, and they're stacked on one, one on top of the other, and that there used to be gates where you could pass between them and
1: yeah so you couldn't get from gray to black you'd have to pass from gray to red to white to black
0: right the like same the same way you can't jump from chapter one to the last chapter you have to go through the journey yeah basically. there's no shortcuts um and that the gates were closed there used to be free-flowing people you know you could go from one to the other and because of the magic going wrong and bad in, in black london they ended up closing it in i was excited about this book from the first page. And what got me was that Kel, main character, he has a magical coat and he describes flipping this, what I envision as like a trench coat, but flipping this coat from one to the other. And at one point he says he doesn't even know how many coats are in the coat. Um, And there was just something about that that was immediately like so mundane, like we all, you know, wear coats in winter and and whatever, but also so strange and kind of fabulous that he's like, "Oh, I'm in a different London. Let me flip my coat around." And something about that, I was like, "I'm in. That's cool."
1: <laughs> that was the very first note that I wrote in my um, in my notepad was page one to describe the coat. He turns it inside out. He doesn't know what's in what pockets, where things are, how many coats there are, and he just matches the coat to the London he's in. So when he's in grey London, was just effectively our world, there's no magic. It's grey because it's us. There's nothing special going on. Um, he goes to like a simple coat so that he can go to like the bars and the inns and stuff like that. Um, I was fully into this book. It is a fantasy novel, but it's not so high fantasy that you couldn't read it as a general fiction reader.
0: Well, like you said, grey London is based in reality, so the the king in Grey London was King George III. Yes. Which is probably most known right now from Hamilton and Bridgerton. That's the same time period. So when you're thinking about it across like actual time, you can place it in that, that era.
1: Yeah. So you're one that reads and follows a lot of the, um, the English, like the royalty and all of that. So, I was familiar with the king. I don't know anything about him. I didn't know which time period existed in. I just went with it. And, but it
0: didn't matter to you. And it, it wasn't a requirement.
1: It wasn't a requirement. I We visit him in the very beginning, and then he's never spoken of again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's sort of to place you into the moment, the story of the year. Um, other than that, one of my biggest, one of my most favorite topics of all time are parallel universes. So this was right up my alley. It was like a fantasy parallel universe idea. Kel has to have, in order to visit another world, he has to have a token from that world. That token can be just about anything. As long as it's from that world, he can use his magic, he can use his blood magic to transport him there. That was a really cool idea. And when I heard that, there's a lot that can go wrong. Like, what happens if he loses his tokens? What if he's outside of his, his world when he needs to get back in without tokens? And all of that comes up.
0: So, you mentioned that Kel has blood magic. So, maybe let's talk about Kel for a second. Yes. So, he is an Atari. Antari? Atari.
1: I was saying Antari.
0: So, the, the narrator says Antari, but he also has an English accent. Okay. So, I might be saying it wrong. Um, but basically his blood holds magic in a way that no longer exists with other people. And there's only one other book, or sorry, one other person within the book who has this, and his name is Holland. Um, and he, so there's only two antari in existence. Um, and they can, like you mentioned, use a token and their blood. so they they cut themselves um, to create magic
1: so we should point out first of all that this is book one in a trilogy. This book can stand on its own. There is very few lingering threads that stand out towards the end. One of them is clearly a major plot point that we'll get to towards the end. I'm sure. Um, so that's nice. You wanted to read just this book and move on. You certainly can. It is an open and closed story. It doesn't, hint at any future story other than a few character developments. We don't. There's no massive major bad guy still lingering out there. I couldn't tell you for the life of me what the next book will even be about.
0: Mm-hmm. What did you think of Kel? Did you like him? Hate him? Kel tell- was
1: interesting. First of all, yeah, I fully loved him. There's not a lot that we know about him and I'm guessing that's that goes back to probably those character threads that are left open. Mm-hmm. His name is spelled K-E-L-L. It comes from his initials, K-L-
0: yeah, they didn't... Um, so the people who raised him or owned him are the king and queen of Red London, and I don't believe they actually knew what his name was. and they But they knew his initials, and so it just turned into... So
1: KL turned into Cal. Yeah. Like one long word.
0: So I thought he was very noble without being annoying, mm-hmm. um, because there's definitely a line where you can be, like, too uppity and annoying, um, and that his general... Aura was that of a protector.
1: He's a noble that comes off like a civilian of his world. Yeah. He's very humble and understanding. And um, sometimes that does not work in his favor. Well, there are certain points we'll get to where that changes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And then I also love that he is accepted by the royal family. They treat him as um, a basically adopted child, and they give him everything he could possibly want, and yet he feels the need to have this side hustle where he is selling, picking up things from different Londons and selling them in different Londons, and I just thought that that was, makes perfect sense. Like, he, like, he's a bored, rich person (laughs) who needs something to be his in his life and he's like, yeah, I'm the only person who can hop from red to gray to white. So let me sell this, you know, knickknack to the the bo- other board wealthy people.
1: <laughs> he makes a point going back to family. He makes a point that something that bothers him is that he still feels owned. He has a great place to live and he has these people that care about him. But he feels that he works for the family as opposed to being a part of the family. Which comes into play later on.
0: Yeah, he has no um, authority to leave or to be like, "Hey, I want to go be a farmer or whatever." He has to do what they want him to do.
1: The king and queen's real son, Reese. Mm-hmm. Did they say Reese in the in the audio? Yes. Okay. Um, he he very much cares for Kel. They mm-hmm. they act as if they're real brothers. Reese is aware of his side hustle and gives him crap all the time for it. So
0: I will say I didn't love Reese because they explain that the reason that Kel ends up being treated like another son is basically that whenever Kel would leave, Reese would throw a temper tantrum because his friend was gone and his playmate was gone. And they basically said, hey, you're now forced to be our kid's best friend. And it just felt very spoiled. Not that he's a bad person. But there is this, like, side to him that is a prince, I guess. A very stereotypical, spoiled prince. Well, and... this
1: is the man that wants a four-day birthday party for the entire kingdom, so. <laughs> True.
0: But it's, it's like, a little bit sick. Like, he's like, no, you must be my best friend.
1: Mm-hmm. I think what's nice is, as we get towards the end of this book, that relationship will end up changing. I think it has changed. So, for the most part, I definitely agree with your thoughts on Reese. He's, like, the brother figure, but, like, he kind of gives some crap for everything, and he's about himself. That that changes as the book goes on a little bit. I do feel that he cares about Kale. He doesn't want Kale getting into any trouble. He, he's aware of the, the black market. He's sort of running behind the scenes, and he's trying to get him to stop this, like, weird addiction that he has doing this. And then, as the book goes on, we know Reese gets into serious trouble. He is gravely injured, and Kel, using the, um, the rock, the stone. Yeah. Kel using the stone ends up binding them by blood, by soul, basically, so that as long as uh, as long as Kel can stay alive, as long as Kel can stay alive, Reese can stay alive,
0: and vice versa.
1: And vice versa. I didn't get the vice versa. I just assumed it was all based on Kells.
0: I think if one is alive, the other will be alive.
1: Okay. That's not how I interpret that, but we'll see. Because no. I do plan on... Because it was his magic. He said, my body and my life is your body and your life," alive. And he just states, as long as I'm alive, you're alive. And the reason that stuck with me is because one of my first thoughts was... Well, that kind of sucks because... Reese doesn't put himself in danger, but you're always putting yourself in danger in these weird positions. So now, mm-hmm. now more than ever, Reese is going to be like, "Look, you can't constantly go out and deal with these thieves and these thieves and these bad people because now both of our lives are at risk." Like I'm sure he's extremely grateful to have saved his life, but now he's connected and he's going to worry every day. Like, man, if Kel goes out, he may never come back, and I could just die at any point, no matter what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, I. I think that Kel puts Reese first, and I think that he will not put himself in as much danger, hypothetically.
1: Yeah. I think I think the catalyst for Kel kinda of changing his ways, first of all right before the main conflict in the book happens where that stranger gives him the black stone like he he doesn't take that knowingly it's given to him and then he leaves the world with it um i think at that point he was ready to be like yeah i'm done with this i gotta get out of this and then this strange woman gives him the what ends up being a blank letter in the stone to pass along into his own world and he didn't want any of that but just when he's trying to get out of the game all of this sets things off so i don't you know, I, I think whatever happens in the next book, clearly there's going to be an issue. But his idea now, his goal now is to not do all this stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, so you mentioned in the summary that because of happenstance, Kel finds himself attached to a young girl or not girl, but young woman named Lila. And basically, she, like you said, Kel accidentally gets the stone. He brings it from one London to a different London. And through circumstances, she ends up getting the stone. Um, And she saves his life and realizes he has magic, which doesn't exist where she's from in Grey London. And... Immediately, she is
1: This like. is where I start getting real annoyed with her. I did not like her at first. Okay. <laughs>
0: so she gets the stone. She's just saved his life. And she's like, oh, what does this do? And makes a sword. And makes a, a second cowl. And um, is excited by this power and this adventure. So tell me, you said you were annoyed with her. What, what were your thoughts on Lila?
1: Well, I, I love Lila, Throughout the entire book. But I also love to hate her. She did not grow up the way Kel did. She She's a street rat. She's a street thief basically. Another character we don't know her backstory on. Although I have pretty good ideas. On what's going on with her. She is. She's basically in our world. Grey London. A strange man with a strange cloak. And a strange rock. Which does literally magic. If I'm in her position, I'm scared. I'm not touching that. I, I need to know more. But she picks it up and she's like, this is crazy. Like, I can make whatever I want. I'm not going to listen to anything you say. Even though there's clearly like this dark... You know, everything the, the stone creates or whatever it does manifests as like dark smoke. Like dark um, mist. And it creates all these things that she wants. But everything clearly looks and feels evil. But she, she gives no thought to that. She's just mm-hmm. having fun. And Kel's like, this woman is crazy. And I'm like, yes, Cal, this woman is batshit." I don't <laughs> know why you would ever pick this up and just start doing things when you know nothing about it, where it came from. It just seems, like, totally crazy to me.
0: I think that she is at a point in her life where she has nothing. She's literally has no home, no money, no true place to live. Her job is being a pickpocket. And... Her thought is just that she can have whatever she wants, and I don't know. She, I think she's just excited by it.
1: I can, yeah, I, I can see her being excited by it. But I was so thrown with how easily she's just like, "I'm gonna play with this, regardless of the consequences." Right in front of you, who brought it through my wall? Like she watched him come through the wall magically out of nowhere, and was just like, "That's crazy!" Like she just went all in. I was like, well, "Wow."
0: Also her life goal is to be a pirate. Yes. In, you know, the a time where girls didn't even wear pants and she dresses like a man. She's wanted actually in her world. Um she's
1: Yeah, there's posters out there of her. So she dresses yeah. like a man as a disguise.
0: Yes. And um I think she's just got nothing and she's up for adventure
1: well she's reckless and and they lead into that when we first meet her before she's even like playing with the stone with no thought of consequence she's clearly reckless she even says as we're following her narrative she says i should only use she's in a she's in like a coat a top hat she's just like a man she's like i can only use this costume in the dark in the shadows, so people can't see my face but then there's moments where she's like i'm gonna try to steal from this police officer under this lamppost where i'm in clear view but like that excites her. She's like, "I'm not supposed to do it this way. I could get caught a lot easier because she can see past my disguise. But I'm gonna try anyways. How far can I go with this? Like, she's just reckless. She's having fun with it, probably because she has nothing else going for her right now."
0: Yeah, I mean, she has nothing to lose. Yeah, except her own life. hmm And so she just keeps going and pushing, and um, she does come into a variety of scrapes, I guess. But in general, I liked her. I thought she was a good foil to Kel because he is more methodical and he is more thought out and he has responsibilities and she has none of that.
1: (laughs) Kel thinks first, acts later. She acts first, thinks later, and even when she thinks, she still doesn't care. Once she's fully into the world and she understands what's going on and who Kel is and she realizes there's parallel universes... She, as we've established, she wants to have a life. She wants to travel. She wants adventure. You know, she wants her own ship. She wants to go all over the world. There's a map that she has in her um, in her place that is unlabeled. Like, it's yeah. just like, the world is open to me. I can do whatever I want. So she wants adventure. And we all want that. That's exciting. But when she learns that Kel is going to go back to his own world and then further all the way to the Black London to drop the stone off so nobody can use it, She forces herself into that adventure against Kel's wishes every step of the way. And she tells Kel, I'm going all the way to Black London with you. And Kel says, you understand that once the stone is gone and you're in Black London, the only person that can get back is me. Because I'm the only person that can use a token. You're only able to travel through these worlds because you're also holding the Black Stone. You will be trapped. Do you understand that? And she's like, yeah, so what? And I'm like, girl, come on. You are crazy. You
0: know what it reminds me of is, in Peter Pan, mm-hmm. the movie, with the the live-action movie, um, which, like, 1% of people have ever seen.
1: I saw it when it came out, and I can't tell you the first thing about it.
0: So he is um, fighting Captain Hook, and Captain Hook says something, uh, the equivalent of, um, are you prepared to die? And he says, to die would be an awfully great adventure. That is... Lila, Like, she that she, that is her energy that she brings to this book.
1: <laughs> well, Lila has her own version of that quote. Once she learns about Kel's life, like, Kel isn't complaining, but he's kind of, like, in his mood. And he's like, yeah, I have this family, but I kind of work for them, and it kind of sucks. And Lila says, I'd rather die on an adventure than live standing still. Yes. And...
0: I love that. That's a, I, it's <laughs> a great.
1: It's a great quote. It was that quote, and there's another quote where... Uh, when Kel was giving shit about his, like, quote-unquote family, she also says, um, you, like, you have it good. So her quote is, you have a house, if not a home. You have people who care for you, if not about you. You may not have everything you want, but I'd wager you give everything you need. Mm-hmm. She's, like, giving Kel perspective. And Kel was like, well, she's not wrong. I live a pretty, pretty excellent life. You know, maybe it's not, like, his basic needs are met. He'd like to be close to the family and all that, but, like, Lila's like, yeah, like, screw you. Like, that's great. I wish I could say I worked for royalty and had this amazing, you know, place, a castle to live in, a gigantic bed, you know, people that can talk to me and care for me. and
0: Or someone who's going to say, oh, she's missing.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: So, this might surprise you, but actually my favorite characters were from the white, um, white London, and they were Holland, who was the other Antari, and the King and Queen of White London, who were twins, and basically, in White London, to become royalty, you have to kill the previous King and Queen. And so no matter who you are, if you're the lo- you know, lowliest of the low, but you can harness enough power and kill them, then you can take over.
1: Yeah, there's no family tree or hierarchy. This is a world that's always fought over magic, and used it so much to the point the world itself has literally become bland and colorless. Yes. Literally, like literally white London.
0: Well, and when they describe the queen, she's almost translucent. In the Mm -hmm. description of her, she is so fair that you can. They talk about her. You know, you can see her blue veins. Mm -hmm. Um, and they. They are the bad guys.
1: <laughs> they're the ones that got the rock intentionally, or the stone intentionally into Kel's hand to yeah. b- bring into Red into red London to mess things up.
0: Yeah, so they set up Kel, but the reason that they're my favorite is I am so intrigued, and I want to know Holland's backstory, and I want to know um, the King and Queen's backstory. And basically, the King and Queen and Holland were the last three contenders for the throne. And um, the twins, the king and queen, won, and they then use their power to bind Holland, who is the other most powerful person in their yeah, their his, land. He's is equal. Yeah, one they, of the last
1: few that we know of.
0: They bound him to be their servant and their slave. Basically, he can't make a decision. If they say, you know, jump up and down for five minutes, he has to do it, and he can't not do it. Um, and there was. So there's a couple things interesting about this kind of l- version of London is that one he is um, named Holland, and he in in the um, audio version he has a Holland accent. <laughs> um, you no, know, they have they all have like these um, like they have Nordic accents. Okay. Um, <laughs> My brain broke. Um, And so that implied to me that they were not necessarily... Because there are other countries in these different Londons. And so I couldn't try... I was trying to figure out if they came in to conquer white London.
1: They clarify that London exists... You know, we say black London, white London. Every every parallel world is its own earth. Mm Mm-hmm. London seems to be a constant, the place of London, but the actual name of London and the name of the Thames River and the name of the palaces, that all changes. And there is another world, or there are other places outside of London, but London is the constant. And they all live in London and they don't really exit London. So that's why they call all these worlds Londons. Yes.
0: And um, they also, all the different Londons speak different languages too.
1: Yes. There's, like, the commoner language and the royal language and stuff like that. What's interesting is, as far as languages go, grey London speaks English, just like you and I. Yes. But in places like red London, the English language is the language that royalty speaks. And no one typically knows that language except royalty.
0: Yes, high society. Mm Mm-hmm. And the better you speak it, the... They, there's an assumption that you are higher class.
1: So when Lila gets there and the only language she knows is the language she grew up with, everyone assumes that she's either royalty or somehow learned this language like perfectly fluently.
0: Yeah, someone asks for her tutor, mm-hmm. the name of her tutor. Um, but so Holland is directed by his, the White King and Queen, to set up Kel, and he is directed to get him this one half of um this black stone from black London and so that it can get to red London. And the other part of that is that Holland goes and visits Reese and he gives Reese a gift from the White Queen and it is a necklace that allows her to take over Reese's body. And as whoever's wearing the necklace basically she is in charge of now.
1: And this is normal. The Antari, the Antari exist to exchange gifts and letters and keep in contact since all those hundreds or thousands of years ago, the gates closed. So for Reese to have the Antari contact from White and come over to give a gift is acceptable. It's normal. He's like, oh, that's great. How nice of you. How nice of the king and queen to send that. So for him to put that on and not think twice of it is normal, unfortunately.
0: Yes. So he does put it on and she does take him take over his body um, because she has decided that she wants to own all the London's mm-hmm. and
1: like any great villain. I just want to own everything.
0: Yeah. And, and she does it. Her brother is aware, but her brother, which is the King basically is like, you know, you're doing this in a really dramatic fashion. Like we could do this a different way. Um, but they are cruel they are calculated and a little crazy, and there's something about that, and something about their use of Holland as a basically as a slave and a toy. I want to know more.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Does that make me crazy. Whenever you whenever you have the characters that are a little bit crazy, and you don't quite know how they tick, and you and you want to figure out what their weaknesses are, like. That's when you get really into it, and your that's that's like the character that you focus on. Like the once I met them, and once they showed how much power they had and how dangerous they were, I was just thinking, how does the book end? How does Kel win? Because I don't know how you stop these two people. They seem insane. Like, what is their weakness? What are they gonna um, like, what is he gonna find out about them that's gonna be like their downfall? Mm, their weakness. Yeah.
0: Can I would like to point out that they mess with him. By getting him drunk. <laughs> so he goes on, he is given a letter from his king and queen mm-hmm. to deliver to white London. And again, you said that's normal. So he does this thing, goes through the gate, pops over there, arrives, and he has to go through the common courtesies of, you know, bowing and in, a, in essence, kind of groveling. They, she is a queen. And she basically says, you know, drink with us. Her brother drinks Holland's blood, which is powerful. And it gives him like a high, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And Kel says, dude, I'm not drinking that. (laughs) Respectfully. And so they're like, here, have some of our best wine. And you kind of go through this process of him getting drunk and then not like leaving and kind of being like, really out of it. I mean, we, I know I need to get home, but I like can't even function. Um, and I just thought that that was so um, almost like primitive. Like I feel like most grown ups have had that moment where they're like, oh, I've had too much and I just need to go lie down. And that was his whole goal.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's funny because as dangerous as they are, their London is white London. Mm-hmm. So magic is in a drought. So while they do have magical options available to them, the the Dane twins, the the royalty here kind of have to, they have to improvise. Like mm-hmm. they they can't always rely on magic because that's the one thing they're typically missing. <laughs> yeah.
0: They're basically at least how I read it was they're really the only people who have a lot of magic.
1: Well, my understanding is that magic pretty much is gone, right? Everything's drained and colorless. The only source of magic is from Kel. Like, they have to cut his blood. They have to drink his well, blood. They have to. I'm sorry. Ho, yeah, Holland. They have to cut his blood, drink his blood, vile up his blood. Like, well, that and, is their one source.
0: And when Kel walks through the streets there, the inhabitants of white London can tell he has power. And mm-hmm. will kind of ca- catcall him and be like, hey, like, give me some of that blood.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's weird. It's real weird.
0: It's very strange.
1: It's... It's... I think what the author is also trying to get at in this world, because they describe everything as white and pale, and their blood drinkers. I'm like, yeah, they're all basically magic vampires. Like they it's yeah. all they all they want to suck your magical blood. Like yeah. that's this whole world.
0: Kel and Lila go on this journey, like you said, to get rid of this artifact from Black London. And the part of the reason, if not the entire reason, Black London was shut down and no one can go there is that the magic was literally siphoning energy off of whoever was there. And so it calls to Lila, and it calls especially to Kel. And when they hold it, they almost can't put it down. Um, And the stone basically becomes like another character.
1: Well, we learned that magic magic itself like when we think of magic it's like something we can use and abuse but we learned that magic itself is personified it can think and do its own thing it is almost like a living being it just it is magic they oh, they gave it a name what was magic called
0: i think it was just Antari.
1: I they had something else but that's fine it doesn't matter
0: um so when speaking about magic something that was interesting is that holland felt magic was meant to be Harnessed and subdued and wielded, Kel felt magic was something to be respected and um, you know used in
1: the right situation. Basically, yeah.
0: yeah, it wasn't like a when needed. Yeah, it was something that he he respected and understood the value of.
1: And that's the world he comes from because we learned that Red London is full of it's full of good magic. It's plentiful. People use it. For fun, like we've seen, there's like a festival, they use it for fun, they use it to help one another. The, the society in general, I'm sure it's not without its problems, but the society um, uh, respects magic. Mm-hmm. Whereas white London abused it and got greedy and black London just went insane.
0: Yeah, so the magic in black London became um, in charge basically mm-hmm. and sucked the energy out of everyone to continue to build itself and become its own entity And we actually see that when it jumps into, or is brought by Kel into, Red London. Um, Lila makes a sword, and that sword ends up in the hands of a drunk on the side of the road. And I believe he stabs him? The the sword makes him stab himself, something to that effect. Um, But it seeps into him, and then he goes to someone else and passes on this... um, I don't even know
1: what to call it. It, it keeps passing itself on so that it's slowly taking control of all the civilians surrounding him.
0: Yes. And the people, if the people are of weak constitution, basically, they, like the humans, they die quickly and the magic, the energy, in essence, has to jump to someone else. Yeah. So by spreading it out through many people, um, the magic can last.
1: He just wants at least one of them to survive. Yes. The He needs...
0: It's interesting. The magic was male. Or to me, I also... heard it as being male.
1: I did the same exact thing. Um the, the the magic is looking for someone strong. For example, when when the magic started in the sword, the the commoner picked up the sword and then the magic forced him to stab himself. So because the man was already weak from the stab wound, he was dying and magic had to jump to the next person. So he was always looking for the next person. It had to find a way to enter that person physically through their body, whether that was through a stab or whatever. Um, and just start taking over, like it took over one of the main guards. Whenever he's guards, their eyes would turn black. Mm-hmm. And it should be pointed out that as an Antari, you always have one black eye because that magic is always in you. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I was going to say, I thought it was really interesting. It actually took over two guards. One guard stayed alive, and the one that stayed alive, the magic said to him something about his having a black heart and then he killed his other guard his best friend mm-hmm. um and the magic said that the one that died had a noble heart and so it almost seemed to me like he chose a drunk the magic the magic chose a drunk the magic chose a prostitute the magic chose um the guard that was had had a was less noble i suppose so it was interesting that it was almost looking for this specific types of people that it could kind of connect with Mm -hmm. in a negative way yep so i just thought that was really an interesting um kind of facet of the magic
1: and so what puts kel on the run is basically the magic is taking over it's made its way i think it actually kind of i think part of it was in gray london at one point um, it makes it, its way...
0: It does take over the king king and queen of Red London as well.
1: Yes. Well, uh, well
0: when but... she speaks to them at the masquerade, they act like...
1: Yeah. So, okay, that's what I couldn't figure out is... So we know that the Dane twins are in White London. And my understanding was because they found a way to get the Blackstone into Red London... It made a connection between both Londons. Therefore, they can start taking control. The the vial around Reese's neck. That is that what let the Dane twins take over yes. the royal family, or was the black magic doing that? I think they're both working in tandem.
0: I think it was a combination. So whoever wore the necklace, specifically Reese, um, the Queen
1: had control of them.
0: Yeah. So in White London, the Queen physically was a shell. Um, she was physically there, but her mind and her, um, being was inside whoever wore the necklace.
1: Yeah. Cause then they started, she would be in like one person's body and she'd take the necklace off and throw it to somebody else. And if that person came in contact with it, she could be like in that person's body now. Yes.
0: Um, and so I think she, she was trying to take over that way. While also the the magic was seeping into Red London,
1: and the point of that was to have the king and queen, she as the king and queen, could put out the want the magic, you know, the magically changing wanted posters saying, you know, Kel's on the run, he's dangerous, uh, find him for us. Because now they have the black stone in Red London, they need the rest of that. They need that stone in their own physical hands to continue their plan.
0: Yes, and so Kel has half of the stone. Um, and it, as they're making their way they're you know, they have to get, like you said, through the different Londons and the stone attaches to his hand. He can't get rid of it. And the magic starts seeping into him and, um, becoming one with him and his blood, which I thought was really interesting.
1: That was his biggest worry when Lila first started using it. He's like, the more you use this black magic, especially not knowing what it is, the more it's going to take over. Well, Kel kept having to unintentionally use the black magic to get him out of situations. So the more he used it, the more it latched on, and at one point he quite literally couldn't let go.
0: Yes, and so they get into White London, and um, well, actually Lila gets into White London, and Kel is ripped back by Holland, and um, they have a they have it out, and I thought it was fascinating um, that Kel kills Holland, and Holland was happy about it.
1: Yeah, so for most of the book, we know that Holland is under control, but I couldn't decide if the things Holland was doing was because he was being forced to. I mean, that was definitely, obviously, why he was doing it. But I was wondering, has he been doing this for so long that now he's, like, into it, like, he likes doing this, like, he likes being bad? Because... Even though he's forced to do something, like, go after Kel, kill Kel, whatever the whatever the Dane twins want, his personality and the way he came off seemed like he was cool doing it. Like, it seemed like he had just, over the years of being controlled, also turned evil. Just, did you get that? Or do you think he died happily because he finally didn't have to do these things?
0: I think he was relieved. Yeah. I do think he wanted power. He wouldn't have gone for the White Crown without wanting power. Um, And he did have his own blood magic. But I don't think that he wanted to be controlled by someone else. Um, And maybe he would have still wanted to kill Cal if he was on his own. Um, That's
1: what I was wondering. Because I'm just like, look, as far as I know, that's the last of your kind. So are you you happy to do it? Because you seem happy to do it because the king and queen are forcing you to do it. And you don't seem like begrudging. He's not like... I don't wanna do this but I'm physically being forced to. He's just like kind of all into it. So I was like, I can't tell where he's coming from.
0: I think it's a a double edged sword because they they give an example of there's a guard in White London who Lila comes up against and it's a young boy and he basically mm. says, Kill me
1: Balak. I was gonna bring that up. Yeah. Balak the kid.
0: He's like he's like, just kill me, like get it over with because I'm being controlled by them. So he was able to say, like, I don't want to do what I'm being forced to do um and I think my perception of Holland and which is why I want to know more about his backstory is that it was a love-hate relationship he and Kel were the only two Antari left and I think they were constantly pitted against each other and I think he was jealous I think he was jealous of Kel's freedom and jealous of Kel like I get I perceive that they're quite old Possibly.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think they are. I think they say they're about twenty or twenty-one years old, because mm-hmm. he says that Lila is either a year younger or a year older than, or no, Reese is a year younger or a year older than him. I forget which way it goes. Oh,
0: you're right. Reese is, but I there was there was some perception of time with one of them, um, but yeah, I just think that I think Holland loved him, loved Cal, and wanted to be like Cal to the point where he. If the White Queen could have taken over Red London, maybe he would have had a chance mm-hmm. to have a life more like Kel. So I think it was very, like, rabid fan. Like, he didn't want Kel to die, but he wanted Kel to die because he wanted to be like him. Um, so in this kind of, like, you know,
1: There was a warped... serious internal struggle going on in there. Yes. Like, he was messed up in the head for sure.
0: Yes, and I... I think it comes down to a lot of the control and the things that he was being forced to do
1: i also didn't expect him to die in this book knowing now that it's a trilogy i thought this would be the guy they would like keep getting in the way for a and his adventure so when he ended up dying you know it was coming close to i was like oh they're they're gonna try to kill him off but there's no way it works and then he dies and i'm like oh i i thought for sure he was in it till the end like i thought for sure they'd find because they make it very clear once you they have skin carving. It's like, it's like the worst, almost like illegal kind of magic where once you bind somebody in the, with the runes in the skin, it is undoable. And therefore he can, um, <clears throat> um, Holland can never be saved. So I was like, at the end of the third book, um, Kel's going to figure it out. He's going to figure out how to undo this, um, this extremely binding spell that cannot be undone. And they're going to save Holland. And it's going to be like, we're not on best terms. We're not friends, but like, thank you. And let's work this out. No, dead <laughs> first book. I was like, oh, okay, very surprised.
0: Well, and then the other thing, um, we mentioned that the book wraps up nicely. So the other thing that happens is that Kel and Lila beat the White King and Queen. Um, and what, well, what do you think comes after this book?
1: First of all, I want to tell you that I really... I really dislike the final fight in this book because for as clever as the twins are, Mm -hmm. they become, as far as I'm concerned, idiots at the end. They follow in, they fall into this, this villain trope of like, Kel is fighting the brother Mm -hmm. and Lila is for some reason with no magic fighting the sister. And, once Lila gets captured, the queen is like, you're in my grasp. I'm going to kill you. But you know what? Just wait here. I'm going to put you here for a second. I want to kill Kale first in front of you so like you can see him die. And then I'll come back for you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Kill Lila now. You have her. If you leave, she's clearly going to escape. Why would you not just kill her now?
0: I wonder... It's always the waiting game. So I wonder if there's maybe something to do with her magic because the white queen... Um, turns into Layla that maybe she needs Layla alive to be able to emulate her. To sound like her to
1: I I she one hundred percent does, but that was one plan of many plans she could have done. She was she held her captive to take her form and go trick Kel, but why risk having both of them alive when you can kill Lila right now? And go do something else to help your brother. Your brother is making gigantic cobras trying to kill Kel. Like, he's got it handled.
0: (laughs) So, Kel realizes that she is not Lila. How did you feel about the tell? Because I knew as soon as as it happened. So, Lila said... She either said, please, or I'm sorry. Which one was it?
1: She said, please.
0: And Lila does not ask. She takes... And so as soon as, like, obviously as the reader, we know that it's the White Queen emulating Lila. And as she said it, I was like, that's it. Like, Kel's going to know. It was just a little too obvious for me. I thought I wanted it to be more.
1: I hated it, but I don't mean I hated it, hated it. I more mean, like, I could not have taken that risk as Kel to just stab what may or may not be the Queen in disguise. Because she has had a bit of a personal journey and there's as far as i'm concerned every possible chance that she could have said please that i don't know if me as a person could have been like i don't know like she could have (laughs)
0: if it wasn't the queen he had the power to heal her too
1: she did or he did yeah that's true but yeah i don't know It, it was just one of those moments of like villains have you in your grasp but it's like uh, or, or you know, they wouldn't let Holland kill him. He, they had to bring him back or whatever. It's always like I must be the one to kill him. Or you're in my grasp now, but hold on, I got to do something before I kill you. It's like no, you have him. Either have your lackey kill him, or you kill him directly. Why are you still waiting? Why are you holding off and killing the person when you have them in your grasp? Well, and also stuff drives me crazy.
0: The brother kind of fell into the trope of I want to tell you about all the things that I'm gonna do to you and oh yeah, what they my laid whole out the brand- plan. Yeah, and. That just gave Kel time to figure out a way to beat him. Um, which but, was, you know, because, like you said, they were clever, I wanted a little bit
1: They more. were so clever that I was like, don't make these extremely terrifying characters fall into villain tropes. And they kind of did. And it wasn't the most villainous villain... It wasn't the most villainy villain tropes. But I was like, they kind of lost some respect for me because they did just crazy genius smart things. And all of a sudden it's just like oh, you're kind of coming off as, like, generic insert villain here now. Mm -hmm. But it's fine. It was good. It was the one thing in the entire book where I was kind of annoyed, but not enough to take me out of it. I was just like, I I guess at the end it's it's a fantasy villain, okay? (laughs) They're just doing their thing, building up suspense for the reader.
0: Yeah. So going back to my previous question, what do you think comes next?
1: So I think what comes next, in order to talk about that, we have to talk about Lila.
0: Yes, that's where I was going. Yeah,
1: so we have <laughs> Kel's mentor meets Lila. Mm-hmm. And Kel mentor and realizes that Lila has a glass eye. And she's like, no one's ever noticed that before, but that's because like no one notices her or she's in disguise. And at first, I didn't think much of it. I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe there's something magical going on. Maybe she has some sort of... To be intari Tari does not mean you're the only person that can use magic. You're just an extremely powerful magic user. Well,
0: and you have magic internally, too.
1: Magic internally. The blood magic. Yes. Other people in Red London have magic. They put on shows, do whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just assumed... Maybe they're hinting that Lila had magic, and as a baby, she... Kind of like Harry Potter. Like, oh, I used magic unknowingly, and I hurt... You know, she hurt herself, or poked her eye out, or something happened. And then I was like, wait a second. If all in have one black eye then clearly what's going on is she has to be from red, black, or white London. She's definitely in Antari, and however she got to grey London, that would stand out on real Earth, on a non-magic Earth. So someone probably purposely removed her eye so that it wouldn't stand out Someone probably never taught her how to use magic, but she, whatever her eye was, it was a black eye and it's now replaced with a glass eye.
0: Yeah. So he, the mentor asks her about her eye. How does she lose it? And she just says that she doesn't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that she knows that, or that she has magic. I think that she lost it when she was a baby. Um, Either someone took it out of her head um, or, and replaced it, or, you know, I, 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 she has no awareness of magic until she meets Kel. But I also think that maybe because she has magic in her that she doesn't know about, I think that might be too why she's um, compelled. Like this, when she holds the stone and the sword and stuff, she's can wield it in a way that the other quote-unquote civilians didn't seem capable of doing.
1: Well, I think something happened towards the end where they were supposed to travel through a gate and she no longer had the black stone and they were traveling through worlds and K was like I'm going to use my I'm going to use my token and we're just going to sort of hold hands and hope you come through yes and she does and he's like wow that shouldn't happen how is that possible and you're kind of like I I think at this time we don't know that she has the glass eye
0: it's it's when they're saving Reese they travel to where this mentor is yeah in this monastery. So
1: first you're like man that's really lucky I guess it works and then you start realizing oh she might have magic which is probably why it did work. Mm-hmm. It was just two Antari holding hands, one token mm-hmm. so that's where it starts to come out where it's like
0: and Reese they were carrying Reese and he made it too.
1: They had Reese as well. Um,
0: who's non-magical
1: yes I I assumed that was okay because they were now linked mm-hmm. with the with the Antari blood, the, the life link the uh shoot i just lost it okay so this just might be this is just how stories go sometimes did you find it interesting that there is this chance that lila well we pretty much can confirm without reading the next two books we can confirm she's probably antara she probably had a black eye that was removed what are the chances that when kel gets to gray london for the first time after being on the run that she's who he runs into more than once, yeah. The like of all the people in all the worlds, he runs into immediately another Intari, someone like integral to the story. Do you think there's a connection there?
0: I think so. I think that, um, you know, he ends up going back to help her, and you we can hear his internal struggle of like he wouldn't have normally done that.
1: Mm-hmm. Normally,
0: he would have just walked away and and you know gone continued on with what he had to do. Um.
1: But she steals the stone, so he has to find her. Pickpockets him immediately.
0: Yes. Um, But I'm talking... So he leaves, he gets the stone from her, plans to leave, and then Holland comes and tracks her down.
1: Oh, when Holland finds her and potentially kidnaps her. Yeah, so
0: Holland basically takes her in an effort to draw Kel out. And you hear him going like, I shouldn't go back. Why am I going back?
1: Well, she says, why'd you come back? And he's like, I don't really know. I just felt like the right thing to do, basically.
0: Yeah. And so I think there's something there um, where he, I feel like, I want them to be siblings. <laughs> I really do. Like, he doesn't know his parents. She doesn't remember. She's an orphan Yeah, both girl. their
1: backstories are perfectly unknown. So they yeah. can be connected in any which way. We don't know yet.
0: Yeah. So I, I want her to be like, you know, the hidden little sister that was placed in Gray London for safety mm-hmm. type of thing. I don't know if that's going to happen. I have not read the other books, um, but I'm definitely intrigued.
1: I'm wondering if she's even the daughter of the the royalty in the Red London and they were only supposed to have boys or something. I have no idea. Like, I'm just wondering if she's if they are all related after all, but maybe not. I don't think they seem to know much about his backstory. Yeah.
0: So that's that's kind of where I think maybe the books will go.
1: I have one her. other theory. Mm hmm. I don't know if it works just because of the way the timeline, um, runs together. Is it possible, because she's so mysterious and she's had her eye removed, and we're not really supposed to know much about her? Do you think her origin is Black London? I think it could be. I think it, I think it's, I think I think she's going to have a connection to Black London. That's where I think it's going.
0: Um. So, at the end, they do get rid of the stone. Correct.
1: They do. They are able to drop the stone in Black London just using a token.
0: And do they... So, I I think I was confused about... They don't get stuck in Black London like they thought they would.
1: Oh, no. Let's rewind. They use use Holland. They drop his body into Black London.
0: That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was something about... With the stone. I think because it wrapped up very quickly with the fights and the people dying and all these things happening that, like... I wasn't 100% sure.
1: Yeah, he uses Holland in his magic and he puts his hand against the doorway and the stone with him and he just slips into oblivion. Okay. So that way that he doesn't have to go into Black London himself and get stuck and never come out because that was original plan is like, yeah, you can't follow me because once I'm in, I'm stuck. This right. stone's not coming out.
0: So Yeah. What um did you have anything else you want to say?
1: The only other thing I wanted to bring up was the Blackstone itself. I don't know if it was just... I don't know if there's more to it or not, but the reasoning for the Blackstone, because Black London should be cut off, period. Mm-hmm. There's no way to get anything. And they, the, the, the author just states that the twins have been searching for for some source of magic, and they came across the Blackstone. End of story. And I'm like, well, where'd they come across the Blackstone? was it sitting in a bush somewhere like well how did how and why did you find it and why, and why did it take so long did it just appear there like i don't know the origin of the black stone or why it was not in black london they gave no reason as to how it was found
0: my only guess is that maybe they sent holland somehow to, to black london
1: i'm just wondering if it's a remnant from when the gates are were all existing
0: maybe and someone was just holding it
1: yeah i don't know
0: Maybe they'll, in the other book. But there could be
1: more to that. Because this is a trilogy, so it could be a lingering thread.
0: So do you have a rating for this book?
1: I do. Uh, I ended up giving it a four out of five. Four means great. Would highly recommend. The book captured me from page one. And I think of everything that I've read this year, I have not read a book faster than I read this book. Interesting. It was... It was just... Paced well, it was constantly going. Um, Enough was happening, and enough new information was coming to light that I just had to know more and more and more. I was debating between a four and a five, but I debated so long that I was like, if I'm not sure this book is a five, then it's not a five. That's fair. Yeah, but I, I loved all the characters, and I loved all of the all of the worlds, all of the magic building. It's not magic that's so specific that you know all the rules to it. It's like he did this. He did this magical thing because he can. You know, he raised stone out of the ground to make a shield because that's just how magic works. So it's not an extremely detailed magic system, but it's enough that it's just fun to play with and, and read about. the The characters felt real. Enough of the main characters had things going on that um, they all felt fully realized and believable. One thing I didn't mention that I wanted to bring up was the relationship between Cal and Reese. Kel, at one point in the series, they talk about a specific event in which Reese was kidnapped. Yes. And one thing led to another, and they finally get him off. He was kidnapped. He was brought on a boat by Commoders. The Commoders were just scared and hopeless, and they wanted to ransom him to get what they wanted. And once Reese is saved, he pardons them. They were going to kill him, and he pardons them. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like that made me feel something for Reese. Like that's very cool of him, like to do that. And behind his back, Kel was like, Yeah, good for you. I'm murdering these people. They kidnapped you and held you for ransom and were going to kill you. But it was moments like that where I was like, There's enough going on here that I like all the stories and the depth to the characters.
0: Yeah, I, I often felt they were two sides of the same coin. Um, one with power, one without, um, let me rephrase, one with magical power, one with power as a royal, and they're using their power in different ways. Um, And Reese is a kind, he's spoiled, Uh, you know, he's a spoiled little prince, but he's a kind, happy Mm -hmm. um, prince who I genuinely think will be a good ruler one day. Yeah. Unless he goes sideways and he goes bad. We'll see.
1: I just love that everyone had their morally gray areas. It wasn't like, oh, this is the good, kind character that everyone hopes to be. And this is the evil villain. Everyone had a side to them that was like, oh, okay, you've done some things.
0: Yeah. Um, so I gave this book a three, which for me is I enjoyed reading it. The thing was that by the time I got to the end, I didn't care to continue trilogy. Um, And for me, that's like, like there are other books, series that I've read where I immediately stop, you know, I finish one and I have to go get the other one. Like I have to go to the bookstore. I have to go on Amazon. Um, And I didn't feel that. I felt like content with where it ended. I'm happy I read it. It was good. I would recommend it. Um, But I don't know that I would spend money for the next book, if that makes sense. Like if it was like, you know, on Libby and it was available and I wanted to listen to something, then I would pick it up. Um, but I'm not so invested in the characters that I want to know where it goes, unless maybe it's about Holland.
1: <laughs> so for me, typically when I read a lot of series, especially in fantasies and sci-fis and kid series, where it's meant to be like so many books after or so many books back to back, It's big, like, serious sale. They want to keep putting out more. Mm -hmm. I kind of get what you're saying. In a typical book that has more after it, uh, in a typical book series, every book ends in a way that there's a cliffhanger or something big, and it's like, you must read the next one. This book kind of closed everything up to a point, even though it's a trilogy, where it's like, yeah, I get that. Like, you don't feel the need to read the next one because they didn't leave you with much needing to be read. Um, me it's twofold first of all as a completionist I can't just not read the next two books that's insane <laughs> unless I despise these or I was like oh my god this is garbage I have to read the next two books they exist I know that therefore it's getting read but on top of that there are lingering threads that I, I do need I need to know if I'm right about Lila I need to know I need to know her character I need to know if she's Antari I know she is there's no way she's not but I need to know her backstory I'm sure we'll learn about Kel's family and his origins His little knife or dagger with KL on it. There's Mm got to be something to that. And I just need to know what it is. I think that's fair. And on top of that, while I was Googling the book and the author. We'll see how far I take this. But uh, V.E. Schwab, Victoria. Mm -hmm. She is writing a series called Threads of Power. Which will take place in this universe. Different story, same universe. So I'm like... How fully invested do I get? Do I read the trilogy and stop there or do I read the next book? So we'll see how it goes. All right. So what books are on your um, list to read next or books that are coming out that you're excited for?
0: Um, So I am reading, I'm continuing the Zodiac Academy series, which I mentioned in our last podcast. Um, But basically Zodiac Academy is an academy with a, a really cool magic system and lots of Um, supernaturals and two twins who are um, long lost princesses. And Mm -hmm. I am on the fourth book and they have just had some revelations in who they are um, in this world. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. Um, I'm also going to begin our next buddy book, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, And then I am looking to finish Uh, start and finish the next bridgerton book um before the end of the
1: year okay so two questions on zodiac is it a finished series and how many books do you have left
0: so i am on book four out of either eight or nine i do believe if it's not completely finished the last one's about to come out
1: okay that's good yes I hate when I wait too long and then I just forget everything because the next book took 2 years to come out. So,
0: yes. Well, and like I mentioned last time, it is on Kindle Unlimited, so if you have that on Amazon, then you can literally just keep going and read through. They are hefty books, so most of them are almost 600 pages.
1: Okay. Yeah. How about you? I have I have Legion which I'm reading now. I'm not so far into it that I wanted to add it to the beginning of this podcast because I don't I don't know the full story yet. Tiny synopsis, I'll get more into it later as I finish it this week. Legion is a man with hallucinations, but his hallucinations are real. Like, he imagines people. Only he can see them, so they're real, but they're not real. They can, they can help him. He solves cases or helps people out with um, crime, stuff like that. Like, the very first thing he does is he is helping this company find a stolen camera, but the camera's whole deal is that it can take pictures in the past. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to basically prove or disprove Christianity by taking a picture of Jesus on the cross. And uh, it's not a super religious book. It just so happens to be that's the way they went with the first novella. Um, but so he uses these hallucinations and whenever he needs help with something, like if there's a language needs to learn, he'll briefly look through like, a Spanish dictionary and all of a sudden a new hallucination will form itself and this hallucination, they all he has a mansion, he lives with all his hallucinations they all have their own room, he's got a butler, it's really strange and uh, other than that I still think one of my next books will be Crossings which is the adult choose your own adventure book hmm. and possibly Dune I might switch that out with something else I haven't decided yet
0: Nice. So our next buddy book is um, The Silent Patient by Alex Michaelides. That's how I've heard it pronounced. Um, he has written this book and also The Maidens, which just recently came out, and I have read. Um, it's definitely, The Maidens at least, is Dark Academia. So I'm interested to see um, where this goes, and that is what we will be talking about next time.
1: All right. Well, until then, we have some social media that we can go over. We have Facebook at Paper Quest Podcast, Instagram also at Paper Quest Podcast, and email PaperQuestPod at gmail.com.
0: Please rate and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast, and definitely leave us a comment so that we know what books you're reading and if we should talk about them in the future. Thanks so much. Bye.